Welcome again. Today we talk about free speech and Twitter and social media. Uh, my name is Andy. Hi, I'm Ezekiel. Happy New Year and welcome back. Yeah, Happy New Year too. I forgot to say this. I always forget these things. Okay, so we want to talk about Elon Musk, Twitter, Twitter, uh, freedom of speech online. And Ezekiel, do you want to give us a little bit of an introduction? What is this discussion today about? Yeah, so we thought it was a good idea to to talk about this because, well, first, it's kind of it's a very timely issue. Uh, the, these things happened in a few weeks only or a few weeks ago, uh, and and many things happened. It went really, really fast, right? From the moment uh, Elon Musk said he wanted to buy Twitter, and then he bought Twitter, and then all the changes that happened. Uh, and only a few days ago, there was also this issue with Andrew Andrew Tate, uh, which happened on Twitter, and I think highlights the various problems that we may have with this question, or at least raises all the questions that we may have about free speech and and if that should be regulated and what's okay to say on Twitter and so on. Okay, so p perhaps because some may be more like me and not um, connected so much to the things that happen on Twitter, perhaps can you briefly say what the thing with Andrew Tate was so that, you know, we all get a reminder? Yeah, well, I, I guess we should start with uh, Elon Musk buying Twitter in the first place because it's related. So, well, as we know, Twitter had some pretty strict regulations um, when it comes to what was acceptable to say on the platform. And there were, as a result of that, there were um, a number of people who were banned from Twitter because they said things that Twitter uh, considered harmful, but not only Twitter, but also people who report because Twitter doesn't just um, act by itself. You know, people have to report um, tweets that they think are problematic. So, uh, and then Twitter had a big group of moderators uh, who were uh, whose job was to look at tweets and see what was harmful or not, and then ban people or um, what could be done, for example, often is that um, Twitter users have to delete the problematic tweet, otherwise they lose their access to Twitter. And once they do, then they gain access back. But often a lot of people did not want to delete those tweets and, and then they would just uh, lose access. So... And then some people were banned altogether, I think. Anyway, so um, Elon Musk saw this state of affairs was problematic. He he um, is self-described as a free speech absolutist. That means he thinks free speech should be completely unregulated. People should be able to say whatever they want, even if it's harmful to some. Um, and he thinks that there is a huge crime of free speech in, you know, Western societies and especially on social media. And this is why he decided to buy Twitter. Um, he says, right. So, uh, let's not go into the details of sale and everything. But anyway, he bought Twitter. He fired a lot of people on Twitter, especially people who were working in that moderation area. And he decided to unban people who were previously banned. Okay. And Andrew Tate was one of them. Andrew Tate had been banned um, some time ago. Andrew Tate is a sort of influencer, um, life coach or whatever, but really he is um, miso uh, misogynistic. He is um, also, well, he was banned 
from Twitter for saying that um, women bear some uh, responsibility in case of assault. Um, he also has been accused, as we'll see, of um, human trafficking, sex trafficking, um, and, and all kinds of uh, disgusting things like this. And, well, irrespective of who he is, he is back on Twitter. At least he was back on Twitter. And uh, what happened is that he tweeted something at um, Greta Thunberg um, without her saying anything about him, at least I don't think. Uh, he tweeted something about um, his cars and having 30 plus cars and each of these cars, uh, you know, polluting a lot. And then he was just provoking her, basically. Uh, to which she responded something that offended him, to which he responded in a video. And after that video, he was arrested by the Romanian police. Uh, he lives in Romania at the moment because he's, you know, um, under investigation for sex trafficking. Um, it's not the case that he gave his location through the video and that this is why the police arrested him. They were already trying to find him. Uh, they had been uh, for a long time, but uh, the, the coincidence is just funny. And so people said, well, he he just himself gave his location to the police, but that, that which is not exactly accurate. But anyway, this so this is the whole story. Now he is under investigation. I think he's uh, detained by the Romanian police. This is okay. just an so, example. Through, sorry. No, no, it's okay. I just <laughs> perhaps uh, wanted to because we are we are adding up things now, and and perhaps it becomes too much. Uh, I'm afraid because you mentioned so many different things. So we we have to distinguish various things there, right? I mean the the one is the debate about um, what Twitter has to do with free speech and what the function of social media should be in society, right? This is one one part of this debate. Okay, but then there's an additional step where you say now we should censor, you know, this yeah, um, so, like, I think statement. And and then you would be saying essentially what I just said, you know, just questioning whether this is a problem or not, or whether this person, Mr. Tate, is right or wrong. This should itself already be censored or not? Or are we allowed to have this discussion in public? Yeah, so so there's these are two different things. I think I think if you're a free speech absolutist, you might disagree with Andrew Tate, right? Um, you might think he's wrong and you might think this is a horrible thing to say. But what you'll say is you, you'll defend his right to say it in a public space and you'll say this right is absolute, right? Um, and this is what Elon Musk thinks. And this is why he says he bought Twitter. He bought Twitter. Um, so basically, the idea of these are horrible things, but you have the right to say horrible things and I'll defend your right to say them. And I disagree with that personally. I think some things should not be said, definitely, um, on on the basis of a number of reasons. But um, so, but yeah, this is precisely the, the debate here. This is and, and um, well, Undertake is only one example, but there's been other things um, on Twitter uh, that that you know have also raised. And in fact, um, I don't remember. If Andrew Tate is banned again from Twitter, but um, I have an, another example in mind, which is Kanye West, um, who recently said uh, horrible anti-Semitic things, um, and he was—I think he was banned before. He was unbanned by Musk, and he got banned quickly after 
for saying things that were so horrible that even Elon Musk said, okay, this is going too far. Um, so there is a limit even for people like Elon Musk, apparently. So, so what um, makes what makes these statements horrible? Can you, I mean, horrible doesn't sound like a category that is easy to limit. Um, the the of course the problem is if we if we go with horrible, um, that then it becomes arbitrary, right? Whatever anybody finds horrible, we would start censoring, uh, and you know, some somebody will always find every possible statement horrible. Uh, so the question is, you know, this is I think the the problem that other people see in your position that you justify it by saying these statements are horrible. So can we replace horrible by a word that is more yes. specific or by, by some concepts that more clearly delineate, you know, what should be said and what should not be said? Yeah, I'm just I'm just saying horrible because that, that's just the first word. I okay, but now try to explain it. So what what made these statements horrible? So when I say, for example, um, you know, especially with anti-Semitism, let me briefly add this because this is a, a common thing. Anti-Semitism has a has a long history in Europe, right? And especially, of course, with uh, Nazi Germany and so on. And we are very sensitive to it. Um, but on the other hand, it is, um, I don't think it's disputed that, for example, the Israeli government uh, has a very uh, hardline, um, way of uh, asserting itself, um, in relation to its neighbors. And you can criticize this, right? You can say, I mean, I disagree with the politics of Israel. I disagree with the violence that they impose on the uh, Arab populations around them. And often this is already considered anti-Semitic, right? So we, it's it's a little difficult there. We, you know, who finds what exactly horrible and why? Okay, so so first for your first question about words, I think we should just um, use the word hateful or harmful. So speech that causes harm or speech that um, calls for hate towards a certain uh, category of people. So um, for whatever reason. About anti-Semitism, so I don't think I'm, I'm in a good place to to define what you know is an anti-Semitic comment. I'm not Jewish myself, and I, I don't know what that is, and I would not speak um, for Jewish people here. So um, I'm just I would just say, well, if if someone who is Jewish tells me this feels anti-Semitic, I'll listen to them and I'll take their opinion seriously, um, because this is not me. I'm not in that situation. So. Uh, but then, of course, I think it's still, I don't think it's controversial that criticizing the Israel government for whatever reason uh, on the basis of their policies is totally different from being anti-Semitic. I think I think I think it's quite clear that those things are two different things. I I don't really know anyone who say they're the same. Uh, or if you, I mean, of course. I'm not denying that there's probably people who criticize the Israel government saying it's because of their decisions, their political decisions only, but they might have some anti-Semitic um, agenda. So that's totally possible. I would not be surprised at all. Some sort of hidden reasons. Um, but this is this is different. I think you can actually criticize the government for uh, their actions without linking it to the fact that uh well to anti-semitism or or and you know this kind of ugly sentiment so yeah but already your first statement i found problematic you know the you say that um 
you will not presume to say yourself whether this is anti-Semitic or not because you would like to ask, you know, first uh, the Jewish people whether they think it's anti-Semitic or not. And and there already I would say, why can we not uh, in our society, for our society, define ourselves what we consider to be allowed speech or not allowed speech. Let's say we are, I mean, now it's, it's a little complex what our society is because you are French and I am German and we live in Hong Kong. But, you know, let's assume we were all living in France, for example, uh, and we are all French citizens uh, and we are not Jewish. Uh, why would we not be called to define what in France, which is our country, is uh, allowed speech without asking, um, you know, particular groups of the population, whether these are now Jewish or that they are, you know, uh, homosexuals or LGBT or whatever other groups, you know, that that might um, be affected by our regulations of free speech. Why, why do we have to ask these particular groups are not the rest of the citizens also called to define what is free speech in this society is you know the worry is that we if we do this if we always ask the people who are concerned by particular speech acts then we make um we we extend the reach of these uh censored speech acts too much because we allow the people who feel affected by them always to define what should be censored, not the people who are neutral towards them. You understand what I mean? Yeah, but I think that's exactly what we should do. I think to answer your question, why do we do this? Why do we ask them? Simply because we don't know, right? There are things we don't know. And as a white person, uh, as a person of Christian heritage, right? I don't know what it's like to be, uh, to, to feel discrimination because of race or because of religion, right? Growing up in a Western country. Um, so I'll ask those who may know, right? And it seems fair. It seems to be a, a form of um, reparative justice, if you may, to to simply admit that I don't know everything. And I don't know everything because of the privilege that I that I have. And I do think white privilege is a real thing. I think, um, you know, religious privilege to some degree as well, um, male privilege as well and so on. So because I come from a certain place of privilege of never having had to experience these things, there, I don't see everything. You know, I am a little bit blind to the reality of it. And this is why I'll refer to people who might know what it's like. And yes, I'll take their opinion over my opinion because precisely they know what they're talking about. And I think it's the same thing when you um, you talk about um, workers, for example. Uh, I, I think it's fair to say workers are the ones who know um, what happens in at work and what should happen at work and what their conditions should be and so on. And we should listen to them. Um, I think it's the same thing. I think if you're not concerned, if you're not um, the recipient of the problem, you cannot really understand, and therefore you should listen to those who are. And this is true for you know, for everything. Yeah, my my concern is now you're using these um, you know very flexible words like we should listen to them. So what exactly does this mean? Um, in in the extreme case, you know does does listening mean we have to do what they want uh, without questioning it? 
uh, or does it just mean they get a vote um, that is proportional to their um you know, amount of people in the population. So what if I have, you know, let's take a, 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 some other group, you know, so that we don't talk specifically now about Jewish people, let's say we take, you know, X people, whatever, uh, any any group that is somehow dis- somehow disadvantaged. And now these X people are only 10% of the population. What does it mean now I listen to them? Um, does it, it really mean... How many are, they are, I think, I think. The, the so, number. so what these these ten percent people then have the right to determine our policy of free speech in this society of the other ninety percent? I mean, I don't I don't see it as you know it's ten percent and then there's the rest of us. Like I, I'm not within that ten percent, but I would like society to move towards something like that. Yes, I would I would like society to listen to you know minority groups or marginalized groups more, even if I'm not part of them. Um, so, so what what does it mean to listen more? I mean, you, well, you it means, phrase it so that it sounds good, but does it mean f- that these ten percent minority group these have the right to determine what what the other ninety percent can say or not? But, so, what do we mean by to determine what they can say or not? Do we? So, what I'm I mean to say by listen is people have a claim, right? They have a claim saying harm has been done. What do we do with this claim? Do we dismiss with it? because they're only 10% or because it doesn't affect us? Or do we hear that claim, take that claim seriously and consider whether it is the case that harm has been done? And I think this is something we can all do. You know, that this is, this is where the 90% can actually work, right? We can try to evaluate whether harm has actually been done. But we should not do it from our position of privilege again and saying, well, I don't see any harm. I've never felt any harm. Therefore, there's no harm, right? We, that's, this is what I mean by listen. We should actively consider someone else's opinion and see, well, there might be some truth here and try to evaluate um, how true that statement can, can be. Now, I don't have all the answers as to how we do this. I think it's good to do this through different, you know, there's different means, you know, so there's representation is one of them, for example, making sure uh, minorities are represented, making sure that they can speak, because this is the problem when, when there's no representation, there's no, there's no voice, right? And people don't really, can't really express themselves. Um, yeah, so okay, that but, is one thing. Uh, but look, uh, representation has a problem because, by definition, these are minorities, right? So if they are minorities, then representing them in the right proportions won't really help them because they are still a minority in the representation also. And this means that they can be outvoted by the majority, right? So I think they, they would say, you know, what is the good of taking a 10% minority and then representing it, you know, with one voice out of 10 um, this wouldn't no, really make them happy. So you need to have some disproportionate representation of the minority, right? In order to, yeah, that's that's not a problem. That's not that's not. I don't see why that's an issue. Like if you have a TV show, for example, that that represents all minorities you can think of that might live in the society, and that's okay. I mean, why, what's uh, why is that problem? Yeah, when we make political decisions in society, minorities visible. I think I think that that serves a bigger purpose than simply accurately representing society, which is impossible to do. Yeah, but the the whole look, the whole point of democracy is to have you know our voices heard 
in proportion to uh, how many are affected, right? Uh, I mean, democracy is a game of numbers. So we we have, you know, 10% of one group X, and then uh, they should have a 10% say in what happens, and everybody has one vote, right? This is the, the idea of democracy. And there is the only exception to this is when we say human rights are affected, right? Because then we say, okay, the, hum- the protection of human rights is absolute. So no matter how, you know, many, people's human rights are affected this uh this can never be this, this should never be the case that we ignore someone's human rights um no matter how many people are affected but but otherwise we we all go by majorities right so if this 10% people are a minority why should they suddenly get a vote that is more or a voice that is stronger than than 10% of the total this would completely destroy the idea of a democracy so I think I think you're you're going way too far here. I think we're just saying I'm not saying 10% of people have a say on you know what we should do with healthcare. I'm not this is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we should pay attention to this 10%. We should pay attention to one percent, we should pay attention to you know any sort of people. And you 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 say, well, uh, human rights, right? Well, you can say if someone if their claim is we've been disrespected, we feel you know, we um, are discriminated against. This This has to do with human rights. This, you know, if there are claims of, for example, sexism or uh, homophobia um, or racism, this, these are human rights issues. So this means we need to look at what's going on, even if it's 10%. I don't, I don't think the number is relevant at all. And the number is, you know, the problem is, is precisely this. Because it's a small number, we don't pay attention. That doesn't mean harm isn't caused. I think, I think as long as harm is caused, that is worthy of our intention. You know, like uh, the the minute someone says there is harm, we need to look at it, and then we need to evaluate the, the you know the validity of that claim. Right. right. And we, now, for example, you 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 mentioned homophobia, right? Um, which which I don't like the term because, you know, phobia actually means being afraid of. It doesn't seem like the people whom we normally call homophobic are afraid of homosexuality. They are opposed to it. Uh, but anyway, if you if we if we use the term, um still it it's it doesn't seem, you know, so clear cut as you present it, because um um you know, you have conflicting human rights in these situations. It's not that only, you know, uh, homosexual people have the right to be respected, but it's also uh, the right of the other person to free speech, which we also consider a fundamental right. And so is my right, let's say, I mean, I'm, I'm just to clarify, you know, I'm not uh, defending um, uh, attacks on, on homosexuality, but I I just, you know, as philosophers, we need to be able to talk about this. So is it when I want to say that I'm opposed to to some sexual practice, whatever it is, um, then it is my right also to say this, right? And this is also part of my human rights. So is the right of the people who advocate this particular sexual practice uh, stronger to to not be told that I'm opposed to it? Or is my right to say this stronger than their right not to hear that I'm opposed to it? Okay. This becomes a little um, complicated, but you understand no, what I'm saying. I think it's good because that brings us back to the, the, the issue of free speech. Um, okay, so 
this is what you know free speech absolutists would say. They would say, uh, my you know, my opinion is this. Um, my right to say that this is my opinion is absolute. There's nothing you can do about this. Uh, as absolute as your right to feel a certain way about it. So uh, but, but where do we go from there? You know, like we're, we're kind of stuck. We're stuck in a world where everyone voices their opinion and they hurt each other and and that's it. Um, <clears throat> so I think, uh, I, I actually disagree with the, the idea that your right to say harmful things uh, is a right for first, um, or that it is a right of the same value as uh, your rights to claim Harm or the fact that harm. Has wait been a moment. I, I didn't say that I'm saying harmful <laughs> things. Um, this this is another point we should discuss later. You know the actual harm. Saying that I am opposed to a particular sexual practice is not harming anyone. It just says that I am opposed to it. You know. Okay, um, you can, you can't it, where say is the that harm? You're to anything. I mean, you're, you're free to refrain from any activity you you don't want to no no I'm, I'm not saying that i'm refraining i'm stating that i'm opposed to it this is different from refraining from it right uh and and stating that i'm opposed to homosexuality already brings me into trouble with um let's say twitter's censorship machine right uh i, I don't know if i would be allowed to state this well ask yourself is this statement harmful do you think this statement can harm harm someone and if that's do you think do you think it can harm someone? I, I don't think it can. Yeah, I think it can. Think? Why would you be opposed to why would you be opposed to people, you know, engaging in uh and or having any sort of sexual identity? Like what's why? I, I guess my question is yeah, if you if you're opposed to it, it means you think there's something wrong with it. Uh you have reasons to be opposed to it, but the fact that you think there's something wrong with it is harmful because, you know, that um, that is basically saying there is a lifestyle here that I disapprove of for moral reasons. Uh, right, and right. And, right. And you can... You know, I, I, we do this in, in all kinds of other situations. So uh, I am opposed to pineapple on pizza, for example, right? I mean, people like to eat these Hawaiian pizzas, which contain pineapple, you know, and I find them disgusting. And I can be opposed to it. I can say, you know, I make a campaign against, you know, pineapple on pizza. Doesn't mean that I, I want to take away your pineapple from your pizza, right? You can, you can eat it, but I can still have the freedom to state that I am opposed to it, right? I just don't want this. Uh, and, and I, I don't like it and I can publicly you, declare it. You have the freedom to say you, you don't want it. You 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 know, um if you're a straight person, you have the freedom to stay a straight person and you know, like th that no one is taking that away from you. Uh, no, I, just... I don't know, but the the freedom it, it, there's there's a difference now. Don't don't switch it. So you are, you know, I have the freedom not to eat pineapple on my pizza. I have the freedom not to be homosexual. This is yes. true, but yes. I additionally have the freedom to say that I am opposed to pineapple on pizza. I am against it. I have the freedom to say this. I can go to Twitter and tweet. You know, I am against pineapple on pizza. If I tweet I am against homosexuality, then I'm in trouble. Uh, yes, so there is a difference there, right, between the two things. So where is the important difference? Well, there is a significant difference between a pizza and pineapple and human beings. When you talk about homosexuality, you talk about people. 
and you cause with harm. With the pizza, also you're talking about the pizza eater, yeah, you don't right? Cause harm to pizza. Like that's that's silly. Not not the pizza, the pizza eater who makes the choice, right? No, I mean, but the, no. Somebody likes to eat pizza with pineapple. Yeah. But, okay, so the you can disagree with someone's choice, right? You can say you do you put pineapple on pizza. It's a wrong choice. It's bad. Um, that's fine. That person is not um, that person's identity is not tied to making that pizza, right? So you're not criticizing that person's identity. You're not criticizing that person's humanity by doing this. You know, you're criticizing. I'm also the not criticizing their humanity. No, no, Sorry? I'm not criticizing anybody's humanity if I say I'm against homosexual practices. I think, I think you are. I think I think you are criticizing people's identity. And that is where the harm lies. You're saying your identity, which isn't a choice, is wrong. And that's a problem. And so what about what about excessive car driving? You know, today I was just looking up something. It just happened this morning. I was looking up what doesn't work in my car. And I ended up in these uh, forums of car enthusiasts, you know, and they are thousands of people, obviously, who really love their cars and really like to tune them and to to make them, you know, go faster and louder. And, you know, all these things that we as, you know, intellectuals consider um, problematic, right? Or oh, as, as you know, green left people you know we we think are repulsive you know people who tune their cars to use more fuel and to make more noise um and i mean for some of these people this is a kind of of uh, identification you know they see themselves as uh, this person who is really into um, uh, tuning his car and um but, making okay, a lot of noise I mean, and, and i can be against it right i can be against it i can campaign against cars in my city um why yeah. Is this not harming the car enthusiast? So is the car uh, enjoyment in this way harmful? That's the only question. Is it harmful that people enjoy their cars this way? Is it harmful to the environment, for example? Well, if it is, maybe we have a claim here, right? Is it harmful to you personally? Because maybe they drive on your lane and it's, it's a crime for you. Yeah, maybe you have a claim. But if it's not, if it's not harmful for no one, let's say they do this with electric cars, you know, there's no, um, um, their carbon footprint is actually quite low and so on. Uh, well, maybe just let them enjoy it, you know, <laughs> well, it's not necessarily a crime. It's not because you don't like it, that it's a moral problem, right? Um, and so I, I guess I lost the link to what I was, uh, to the comparison I was making. But here, there's, I mean, if you, uh, talking about people and their sexual identity, there's nothing wrong with any sexual sexual identity here that we're talking about. So there's no harm caused by people uh, being a LGBTQ plus, right? So this is the difference. Yeah, but there's also no harm caused by putting pineapple on pizza. If we go back to the other example, yeah, so you cannot start switching the examples. There's nothing wrong with it. So you, you cannot have a claim that this is morally wrong and it should be banned. I don't think you can. I, I didn't say it should be banned. I I don't want to change these practices. I just want the freedom to say that I'm opposed to okay. them, 
right? I'm not taking away anyone's anyone's uh, pineapple pizza, right? I just want the freedom to say I'm against it. And you are disputing that I should have the freedom when I say, which I don't, uh, I want to, to note again, right? We are just uh, talking, th therefore, I don't want even to talk about homosexuals. Let's talk about some sexual practice X, right? So I, I just want to say, I am against the sexual practice X, which um, some people in the population are um, fond of. And then I want the freedom to say that I am not fond of it. I don't like it. I am opposed to it, right? But if I do it, sorry. If you're opposed to the car, if you're opposed to the car activity, it's for reasons that you think are moral reasons. It's because you think it's wrong somehow to do this. If not, you would not be opposed. You would just say, well, maybe it's not my thing, but let them enjoy whatever. Right? It's uh, like someone playing chess. You will not be opposed to people playing chess. You will not say, I, I, you know, I don't like that people are playing chess. You might not like chess yourself, but you'll just say, this is what you'll say. You'll say, I don't like chess, but I don't care if people play chess. Right? So I, that's exactly that. I don't think, so if you're saying, I'm opposed to any kind of sexual behavior that is, you know, not harmful. Um, you're making a moral statement about that sexual behavior. And this is the problem. You're making a moral statement about people's identity, which they cannot um, choose and which doesn't cause harm. So that is the difference. I'm afraid that this is a very, a very thin difference, a very thin line, right? Because you, you know, you have all this range of sexual practices, and then it's very difficult to draw the line which of these are harmful and which are not harmful, and and even which games are harmful or with other preferences are harmful. For example, you know, with chess, obviously, right? We all accept that this is not harmful because it happens to be a game that has a status uh, associated with it. But then you can talk instead of chess, you can talk about violent video games and then you are in a discussion a which is not so clear you know are they harmful or are they not harmful yeah. right it is a debate some things are blurry some yeah, things but then we should be able to debate it right but now you are saying in but but I think because we are talking I mean, about censorship now you are saying some debates we are not allowed to have so am i allowed to have the debates whether homosexuality is harmful or not or am i not allowed to even have question. the debate our, our initial question was am i allowed to say that i'm opposed to it now you're asking, are we allowed to have a debate on whether it's harmful or not? I mean, I guess we've had that debate. I think for many, many years, people were saying it's harmful, it's wrong. And, and now we're only starting to say, well, it actually isn't. I don't think it's up for debate anymore, to be honest. I think I think it's quite clear. I think it's been clear from, from, for a while now. So I don't know what you're trying to say, that again yeah so you want to be able to debate this um i i don't really see i don't really understand the motivation to be honest because again if there is a debate here to be had it's because there is a moral question at stake i don't really see where that question comes from um and it's, it would be the same for you know any racial um question or anything like that i don't i don't think i don't think we would be having this conversation if it was about uh different races we would not be you know discussing this whether we can have a debate about you know so why is it different it's because you have an opinion i mean i'm not saying you but 
some people might have an opinion on it that is akin to a moral claim, and I think that's a problem. You know, it's it's hard to say because I I don't want to defend the wrong side of the issue, right? And now I'm I feel that, that I'm moving, you know, I'm being moved into the place where I have to defend these people whose uh, opinions I don't share. Um, but you know, even with race, you can have this discussion. I mean, there are uh, people who would say perhaps that. Uh, black people are better at running, you know, this is one argument I've read in the past, you know, they are better at running because somehow their joints are different or their legs are longer or whatever. And therefore it's unfair if, if black case. runners compete against white runners, you know, for example, you can make a claim like this. I mean, I, I don't know if it's true or not, or, and, and I really don't care, but I mean, this, this would be a possible claim where you could say, okay, there is a moral issue there because if it's really the case that black runners are better than white runners, then then having them compete against each other would be, you know, immoral. And then a, a racial segregation of, of running, you know, competitions would be morally advised. <clears throat> Doesn't sound nice, right? But uh, I mean, it's a, it's a debate that we could conceivably have, right? As a debate. Um, I, mean, I, think, I think we're going way too far here. We're really going, but I mean, anyway, it's completely different. Like if you say, Black people have darker skin than white people. That's you know, that's that's one that's not a moral judgment, right? You were previously you were talking about being opposed to something. That's that's a moral judgment. Those are two different things. Now about you know runners and stuff, I think it's been debunked that there's no such thing, there's no such advantage, and that it is a racist statement, actually. So um so yeah, I, I but but if you wanna describe physical differences. That's not a moral judgment to begin. Now, if you want to make policies based on those differences, that that is that is a problem. Yeah, but uh, I mean, it's still true that we should be able to debate whether we should have a policy like this or not, right? And my my problem is not about the issue itself. My problem is with your. Uh, stance, you know, that we should just uh, censor the debate itself. And I don't think that this is the right thing to do. I, mean, I think they... some things are not up for debate, to be honest. I really think so. I think, or I think we've been through them and we have an answer now. For example, uh, sexism, gender equality. I don't think it's up for debate. That, that's it. I, I don't think it's okay to question whether women and men are equal in rights and, and the things they can do and cannot do. So I don't think debate is absolutely, you know, needs to happen at, uh, every time about everything, you know. I think some things should just, we should agree that, okay, this is the case now. And I mean, this, this is, would I mean, be I'm saying not a free speech absolutist. I don't saying... think, I don't think your freedom to say anything outweighs other things like morality not causing harm and so on i really don't think so okay okay this is the next point you know where i can where i can say that i am not i am not um you know comfortable with the way you argue because whenever we talk about the position that is opposed to yours you label it speech free speech absolutism right this is not necessarily the case okay. i mean it's well, not it you, you don't have to be either your position or free speech absolutist there is there are lots of positions in between I wouldn't sure, say sure. that I am free speech absolutist. I mean, there are free speech absolutists. If somebody says, you know, killing all 
people who have property X, you know, this is Jewish or black or whatever. This is this would be a case of, of free speech absolutism if I try to defend that this is a good thing, right? That should be able to say this. Okay. But um and, and to this I am I'm opposed. There are people who say that everybody should be free to say this. I'm not. So I say we should regulate speech, but I would regulate it more freely than you. This does not make me a free speech absolutist, right? Okay, sure. So what would be what would be your, your- conditions yeah like you say harm for example i I find harm uh, is a is a is a good you know way to judge Uh, if speech causes harm then perhaps it should be regulated and if that doesn't cause harm then it should not be regulated right now where is the harm in saying that i'm opposed to a particular sexual practice you are attacking the identity of someone you're you're claiming that the identity of someone of someone is a moral problem that's morally wrong, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't be opposed to it. You would be neutral. No, I can be opposed to something, although it's not morally wrong. I can be opposed so to matters of tastes, right? I can what? be op- I can be opposed to you painting your house yellow in in my village, uh, although it's not morally wrong to do so. But I'm still opposed to it because it makes the village look ugly. Yeah, but the, the, the key concept here is identity and it's choice. I have the choice to paint my house yellow or pink, right? Or any other color. I don't have a choice for my sexual uh, orientation, right? my sexual identity. So, so, so that's different. If you say I'm opposed to you having blue eyes, that's that's weird. That's That's wrong even maybe. Um, so, because I'm not, I cannot change anything about this. So that's, that's exactly the same. It's very different from being opposed to a choice I'm making, which I could make differently. So now we have arrived at the point where you are actually saying something definite, right? So you you are saying that the well, point I said is. I've said it before. Perhaps it I've wasn't it clear now, to me. Okay, so so now I understand what you mean. That the the essential point is that the person has the possibility of changing the thing I'm opposed to, and if they cannot change it, then I shouldn't say that I'm opposed to it. Is this the the main point? Well, yes. So that's one. That's one that makes a difference between the the house and and, and all. But there's also like there's also the fact. You need to consider the behavior you're opposed to, right? And the reasons you're opposed to it, I think. Is this behavior a problem in any way, right? Um, so that's that's just, uh, you know, that's also something you need to look at. If you say, I'm opposed to you painting your house yellow because I also live in this house and I hate yellow, um, well... I'm in painting it yellow, I cause some sort of harm to you, which is minor, but it's some sort of harm, right? But someone um having any sort of sexual identity doesn't cause harm to you. Right. So your claim doesn't have a lot of validity, is what I'm saying. Right. If you tell me, let, let's say I'm I am your neighbor, or maybe not your neighbor. I'm someone else and I decide to paint my house yellow and you'll never have to see this house 
and you say I'm opposed to that, that would be a wrong statement. I think you should not, you know just say well, you should be neutral, or you can give your opinion. You can say I personally don't like yellow, but you do whatever you want. You don't say I'm opposed to you painting your house yellow, right? In the same way, you can say I'm personally not a homosexual, and that's that's fine. You know, so uh, you. <laughs> you can have any sort of preference for yourself, right? But to say I'm opposed to someone's behavior is a problem. Now, the thing with the choice, I I understand what you mean with the choice. If, if, I, if I don't have a choice, then it is somehow unfair to, to attack me because of this thing, because I don't have a choice. But I would well, say that this, this cannot be the whole truth of it, right? Because... Even when people have a choice, they still have the right to stick with their choice rather than having to change their that's choice. True. That's also true. Excuse me? That's that is also true, yes. Okay. Okay. So I think we we have reached the point where we perhaps have clarified this as much as it's possible to do now. Um let's talk about this other thing when we talk about Twitter to come back to the original question right and the free speech. Now the other worry is that usually you know because you're also a political philosopher I mean you appreciate the argument that um we normally form a kind of social contract and we decide that we give power to some states um which later uh, protects our rights and uh, censors people so that um, no harm is caused but then um i think one of the problems with twitter is that the censorship is not executed and administered by the government which has our has been given the right to do this, but it's a private business. And now we can be opposed to the idea of private censorship. We can say that uh, although I'm okay with the government censoring things after a, a democratic process of decision and so on, I am I can still be opposed to Twitter censoring me because um, Twitter or Google have been, and, and they have been empirically known in the past, to stupidly censor things that shouldn't be censored, right? For example, for a long time, Facebook was censoring um, uh, breastfeeding pictures uh, because, you know, they didn't get it that this is not uh, porn or, um, you know, many other cases where democ um, uh, academic debates have been censored, you know, people discussing anti-Semitism academically or discussing Nazis, uh, Nazi symbolism um, in academic papers. And these have been then censored uh, because the algorithms didn't get it, that this is not promoting, but it is, you know, academic discussion. So um, how do you feel about this question, you know, state versus private censorship? Yeah. No, it's a great question. And I think this is exactly the heart of the problem with, with Twitter. Um, and one, literally one person at the moment deciding, because so many people have been fired, there was an entire team. So it was kind of a collaborative process, right? But here you have basically one person deciding uh, what can be said or not. And in fact, there has been a lot of people banned on Twitter. So um, it is not the case that freedom of speech has been restored on Twitter. Um, so for example, there's a bunch of parody accounts that were being parodies of Elon Musk himself that were banned or a bunch of tweets that were also um, blocked because they were making fun of Elon Musk or you know, in some way 
not harmful way. I've, I've seen some of them, and then often they're just some jokes, right? Um, so the prime here is the prime of arbitrary power and arbitrary decisions. And if there is one individual um, that decides and has the power to decide because of money, in the case it's that, is because he was rich enough to be able to buy Twitter, um, that gives him the, the, the power to decide what can be said on that platform. And eventually we run the risk of these decisions being arbitrary, meaning being done for his benefit um, and in his interests only, right? and not necessarily the interests of the users. Um, so, yeah, I think I think this is the main issue here, and this is why um, maybe it raises questions about how social media should be run in general. Because after all, those platforms are not any well. You'll say social media—they're uh, always private companies, right? But I think even before Elon Musk, it was a private company. It was run by one person ultimately, and so on. It was not a you know democratic. Uh, platform necessarily, but um, I think we could have a general reflection on if we should consider social media as some sort of public goods, right? Because they are platforms where people talk. They're a sort of big agora, you know? Um, and maybe we could think of the use we could make of that and, and how we could regulate this and how we could make that something that belongs to to people, you know, um, that that's a longer reflection, obviously, but um, I think it's a question we, we we could ask ourselves. I mean, two two possible solutions come to mind, right? One would be to say we just stop censoring inside the company. You stop censoring, you know, privately, and we just refer all these cases to the state to judge right so if you are and and this would essentially be what somebody like musk would probably like to do right to say free speech absolutist uh, probably for him doesn't mean to not censor anything to say everything yeah, it no, means he, to just refer it to the state so whenever you have a yeah. problem go and you know sue them for what they said um yeah. so would this would this be what what uh, you think should be done so that, that's one possibility. So actually, Elon Musk is not very consistent because he said, first he said, I'm a free speech expertise, blah, blah, everyone should have the right to say anything. And then he says, well, actually, what I meant is everyone has the right to say anything according to the law. So already you have some restrictions. And then he also says he's a libertarian. So he's, you know, advocating for a minimal state. Uh, but then he refers to the state when it comes to judging, you know, what's legal and not to say on Twitter. So it doesn't really work very well. We don't really understand where he, where he's coming from here. Um, but anyway, um, there's a, there. This is obviously the law plays a big role. So uh, I think it's interesting to talk about uh, France, for example. I happen to be French, but France happens to have a lot of regulations about speech. Um, so there's a lot of laws that regulate what you can say privately or publicly. So um, there are, so for example, any speech that uh, is hateful towards anyone, actually even insults, even if you just insult me, even privately, I can sue you for that. Um, and you'll have some sort of fine. I don't think it's going to be very significant, but still. 
Uh, but then if you publicly shame people, if you call for discrimination, if you call for violence, uh, whether it's on the basis of religion, race, sexual identity, gender, all kinds of things, you can be punished by law. And we have actually a lot of public figures who, and even politicians who have been previously uh, charged with some, some sort of thing like that. Uh, we have a famous one who was charged before for um, inciting people to be Islamophobic, for example. Um, and, and so that happens already. So we consider that hate speech is not free speech. We really see a difference between free speech things you can say, things that are in your right to say, and illegal speech, right? Things you should not be saying at all and that no one should be saying um and we're very comfortable with this so i i think this might be where the difference uh lies between i don't know what germany um has in terms of regulations but i know americans for example don't have such regulations right um i don't know when when musk talks about legal actions i don't know what he refers to because i think the constitution really uh, is what people refer to generally, and the Constitution says basically that free speech is uh, absolute and so on. Um, but so, yeah, maybe this is where the difference lies. Maybe I am the product of my society after all. Yeah, I'm, I must say I find this very scary, you know, um, as an emotional reaction, you know, what you are saying, um, that the state should take this fine-grained control over uh, what I can say and what I cannot say. Um, it seems like we are trying, you know, if, if you see this in a more in a more general way, it seems like what is happening is that we are trying to legally enforce civilized behavior, right? You would say that normally people would not say these things anyway if they are sufficiently civilized. I mean, who would go and uh, attack other people or, you know, <clears throat> make these statements? Um, only people who are, you know, who are essentially not uh, sufficiently civilized, and then, then you would say somebody who is, let's say, this this cliche of a, of, a, of a gentleman, let's say, right, or a, a civilized person, uh, that the Chinese, you know, um, ideal of a um, um, uh, well-behaved person, yes, the 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 Confucian gentleman, right? This this kind of person that we also see as an ideal citizen, right, in a society, somebody who whose behavior is measured, who has who is virtuous and who controls his passions, right? He would not say these things anyway. So well, is there is, is this perhaps just let me briefly just just finish this this thought is is perhaps what is going wrong that instead of educating people to be civilized we are now trying to make a legal framework that forces them into civilized behavior without actually doing anything to improve the virtues of the people themselves should we not instead of forbidding these speech acts educate people so that they do not feel like they have to use such speech Okay, so um, first, I think you, you said legally enforce civilized behavior. We do this all the time, anyway. We always legally enforce civilized behavior. We always force people to be civil. 
uh, when you know you have to stop at the red light. This is forcing you to be civil, and you cannot, you know, uh, steal from your neighbor. This is forcing you to be civil. So we do it anyway. And th this picture of the civilized man you're talking about is is the product of a lot of actions that force that man to be civil from very young age, right? So. We do it anyway. Now, can we do it better? Can we do it more? And from a younger age even? Yes, I think that's exactly what we should be doing. And this is why I think we should um, normalize certain ideas. I don't know the term normalizing is, is a big uh, word. Um, but I think we should, I think this is what I was talking about, about representation. I think representation matters. I think we should teach children to be you know, respectful and so on. And um, Everything has to be done from the start. I agree. So that we don't have to enforce things on adults who may be a little bit shocked. And this is also, I think here what we're saying is also some sort of a generational clash, right? Where there's a lot of people who are a bit older and who have not been told that, oh, well, there are marginalized groups and, oh, well, actually they suffer from this and actually your behavior is harmful, and one, and you know, they wake up, they're 70 and, and they're told this and they don't get it. And, you know, in a way you can understand. But um, so that's why we need to do this work from the beginning. So we don't end up in this situation and that will happen, but uh, it will take a bit of time. It is already happening anyway. You look at uh, the way teenagers uh, speak and react and, and the fact that they are not shocked at the idea that, yeah, something should not be said, for example, right? it's maybe not as shocked as people uh, who, who may be older. So it is also a generational issue, I think. This doesn't necessarily make it right, though. I mean, now you are you are presenting it as if there's a law of nature that you know whatever teenagers believe is morally right. Uh, I, I would still it's say that it's a possibility that the teenagers are mistaken, right, and that that I am right, for example, and not you. So the you know because between us we have exactly this situation, right? I mean, you you um favor these um restrictions much more than i do right uh and and perhaps for for the same reasons because you grew up in a different society than than i did and um i'm not trying to justify it by with this argument it's not an argument i'm just saying we need i agree we need to do this and i think it's good that we do this i think it's good that some behaviors are enforced because otherwise we just act you know any way we want and that doesn't that doesn't work we can't have a society like this so um it's a good thing and then as another point i'm saying well it's already happening and, and here's the result that that doesn't mean uh, justified with this argument i think what you said about acting any way we want is actually somehow contains a bit of the key to the to the problem because uh, you know aristotle for example would say we should not want to act in ways that are harmful to others or that are bad or that are you know morally somehow um I, yeah absolutely and and, and we should not want so so when we have a population that actually wants to do the harmful thing then it's the wrong solution to try forcibly to prevent them from doing it we should make them not want it through education well but that's precisely what our soul says yes he would say you should not want it that's a failure of education if you do but what he also says is naturally human beings don't want to be virtuous that's why you got to train them and you're going to train them from very young. And 
quite hard by repeating habits and, you know, practicing virtues over and over again, even when they don't understand why they're doing it. He's very clear on this. He says, even if children don't see the value, even if they don't want to do it, they have to do it and they have to repeat that behavior until it's ingrained in them. So that's actually, like, actually it's quite strict on this. Yeah, but he doesn't say that we should make laws that outlaw particular behaviors without at the same time providing the sufficient education and practice that no, would make these people behave better, right? The, but this is what yeah, our governments are doing. The governments get out of the uh, of the need to really educate people by just making a blanket law that some things are forbidden. This This doesn't really improve the virtues of the population. Well, I think it's hard here to compare laws that were passed in ancient Greece and, and, and laws in our Western liberal societies. It's, you know, societies were quite different. The, the size is also significantly different. So no, you wouldn't say, oh, one day we'll come up with one law that says this. It is a lifelong process being virtuous, for sure. You don't need to enforce virtue on a 45-year-old individual all of a sudden. But, um, well, maybe that's... Um, something to think about you know how we do this how we enforce this from a young age that's why i'm saying this is a work that needs to be done from the start and younger generations uh now you know we can we can try to train them at this moment we can try to think of future generations and so on um and that and this is i agree with you this can seem difficult to understand for people who are older and this is why I talked about generations, just to illustrate that yes, there is a clash here. Right. We, we have lots more things to say, right? Um, uh, we had lots of notes, and you made lots of points there, and uh, I also have a few more that I would like to talk about. So, but uh, perhaps it's enough for for one time, right? So we yeah, should. I think I think that's fine. Um, I think the harm principle is, in fact, a good measure. Well, this is at least my take. Uh, for how we should regulate speech. And then we can discuss on how we define harm, but that's another conversation, I think. Right, and, and harm in two ways. So it's my harming others by my speech act. And on the other hand, it's the others harming me through their behavior, which then gives me a justification to be against them, right? Or against this yeah, behavior. Yeah, this is where we have to define. So there are two, two kinds of harm involved there. Okay, so let's let's for the moment then um, stop it here, um, and uh, perhaps we can continue next time if we if we uh, see that we have much more to discuss. Um, for the moment, thank you all for listening, and I hope this was um, more enlightening than confusing. Is thank you very much. See you next time. Okay, see you next time. Bye-bye.